0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Master Instructor Roundtable, where we are live with myself, Wendy Batts, and friend and co-host, Marty Miller. Marty, how are you today?
1: Great, Wendy. How about yourself?
0: I am doing great. You're probably doing a little bit better than the rest of us.
1: Yes. You know, it's ironic that there'll be a slide coming in here that (laughs) would be very pertinent to my life. So. Because Wendy set me up like a dear friend she is, yes, indeed, I will be a grandfather in a few hours. I know it's hard to believe, 51, but I am so excited because not only just the joy, but now we get to see this little guy develop in all those neuromuscular connections. So it's like a kind of a science experiment at the same time.
0: I know. Well, I love every part of that. Um, and congratulations ahead of time. Uh, baby boys are the best, no offense to baby girls, but you know, I have a boy, so I am a little, (laughs) a little partial to that. And Marty, I know that you've had three boys as well, but it's all we do. We
1: know how to just make boys.
0: Uh, well, there you go. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. (laughs) But today's topic is on barefoot training. And I love this because I use it With my clients uh, very often and so again when we go through and we start talking about different types of training not all gyms will allow your clients or for anyone to be barefoot so if you have the option sometimes of going through and training some of your clients without their shoes uh, we're going to talk about the benefits of that and um, just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind because there is a big difference of training in your shoes or doing some different types of cardio things in your shoes in comparison to being just in your socks or your bare feet.
1: Yeah. I try to incorporate as much as possible. We'll go through wh- how I do things we've done in the past. So hopefully everyone gets a few takeaways that they can incorporate right away in their program. So real quick, you know, we're going to go through a lot more than this, but we want to discuss the benefits of it outside of like people are doing it cause it looks cool on Instagram, but there's a reason <laughs> there's science. We definitely need to talk about some progressions, right? You can't just go from never doing barefoot training, maybe to right into high intensity type of training with bare feet. And then talk about there are tools and training aids that you can incorporate as well.
0: Yeah. And I'm excited that we are talking about this because I have had people come to me and say, hey, I've read this thing on Instagram or I saw this. I really went and tried it. I bought these and we'll talk about the different types of shoes and my knee is killing me. My back is killing me. Things are hurting. And this is supposed to be super beneficial. However, now I'm in more pain than I've ever been in. So I think, again, when we kind of go and and talk about this, think very deeply about what we're saying. And then just like the OPT model, there's proper progressions that you need to take within yourself or your client if you want to try to start going to do barefoot training for sure.
1: Yeah. And Wendy, I remember this slide when I was an athletic training student. It was like, oh, we got to study the foot, right? And the ankle. (laughs) There's so much anatomy, right? You just, you know, as athletic trainers or maybe personal trainers, we kind of focus on other parts of the body. We know the foot, but not many people realize that the foot has a quarter of the bones in the body. And this is why you're going to see the advantage of barefoot training is there's more sensory nerve endings per square inch than any other part of the body. But that's a survival mechanism too, right? When you were barefoot out of necessity, you better be able to communicate from the ground up. But we've talked about that with ground force reaction and all these other things about posture. You have to be able to connect your foot to the ground and have great mobility, great stability, function, and then the rest of the body can have a better chance of falling in line. So when you stimulate the nerves of the foot, you're going to get a better understanding of what you're standing on, what you're stepping on, what you shouldn't be stepping on. And it really does start to shape all of that human movement that we're going to do. And we've all slipped at times and we know what happens right when you don't have good connection but when you do go barefoot you will absolutely be training the proprioception in the awareness of how your body moves in space and i'll finish it here and throw it back over to you but one of the things that i love for my 10 12 years of martial arts training is i was forced to do a lot of barefoot training right there was no choice so you're changing direction you're balancing you're reacting you're being pushed you're doing things With your foot grounded, you know, to the ground with no uh, socks, no footwear. And that was a very important part of my training that I have put back in, even though I don't do as much martial arts.
0: Well, and I think too, you know, I always use different analogies. And so when clients ask me about barefoot training and they ask me what they think of it or what I think of it, again, I am a huge advocate for it because of all the reasons you just mentioned, Marty. I mean, it's basically, it allows our body to understand what are we stepping on and then also to the surrounding and the environment of what we're standing on. And that's one of the reasons we do balance training. We're trying to get those muscles stimulated. We're working, you know, the muscles that hopefully are going to help keep our bones in proper alignment because we all know that shoes can play, you know, they're not always the best for you, especially if you're a female and you wear dress shoes and they've got a a very pointy or or smaller toe box. We know what it can do with causing some of the bunions and issues within the foot. But as an analogy, I always ask people, if you've got oven mitts on and you're going to grab something out of the oven, you know, how much sensory do you have with your like or control do you have of your fingers and your hands? You basically you have mittens and you're grabbing something, right? Well but basically our feet are the same way. When you've got shoes, they act as kind of mittens. It takes away that sensory to protect the foot from heat, from what we, we should be feeling and we kind of lose control. We're able to move it, but we're not really getting the benefit of understanding and feeling things. And so it's one of those things that the different shoes that are out there, you want to look at that because it can play A role in a bad way. We've seen that with all the overhead squats and assessments. And that's one of the number one reasons why we tell people when you're doing an overhead squat, remove your shoes because we want to see how the body, how the foot of the arch, how the, how your body reacts within movement, especially when you're going through. And we want to see how much protection is is that foot used to because if you are, have shoes that have arch support, and now we take that away, do you pronate? Because we know with pronation will lead to probably knee adduction or valgus, and then it kind of goes up the kinetic chain itself.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of important what you're saying.
0: Kind of. I mean, if we're going to go there. But right. I mean, think about this. You read this slide, Marty. You've got around 30 muscles of the foot You know uh, th- that's controlling, or 30 muscles that make up the foot that's controlling the functions and the movement patterns that we have. So when you think about the bones and the ligaments that are in your feet, those are essential for our basic movement patterns, such as, you know, propelling ourselves forward, walking, running, balancing, you know, dancing, (laughs) all all the fun things in life usually starts with our feet. And so, you know, even if you compete in shoes, training barefoot is going to help us get those muscles working because we're going to be able to really focus on proper range of motion without support.
1: Yeah, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So as soon as we start putting footwear on, we're starting to disconnect the natural sensation and, you know, anatomical uh, adaptations we're supposed to have by going barefoot. So looking at the benefits, right? The most straightforward one we talk about is in the theory that walking barefoot will closely restore our natural walking pattern, you know, our gait. Now, though there's a caveat with this, right? If you start this at age 60 and you've got massive movement dysfunction, just walking barefoot's not going to fix it. So yes, we still want to do our correctives and all that, but walking barefoot will eliminate first, right? This, the stimulus or the causation of some of these problems. So you, but I'm, cause you can do all your correctives you want for 20 minutes. And then if you're walking around in those dysfunctional shoes for 40, 50, 60 hours a week, Right. So there's a place and a time to remove the f- shoe. So that way the foot can kind of breathe. Right. if you want to look at it that way and start to interact as it needs to. But you're going to have to retrain it. It's just not taking off the shoe and starting to walk. But some of these other benefits as you, you see the bullet points here. Better control your foot when it strikes the ground. Again, we need to train that. Improvements in balance, proprioception, body awareness. That's why we go through that in our correctives and stabilization can help with pain relief because again you're removing the biomechanical stimulus that's causing the foot as Wendy would say to get jacked up right (laughs) i I just you know i know you would say something like that
0: probably mechanics
1: will improve and as you said wendy then the rest of the body can improve right all the way up to your entire posture even your head and neck and then we can look at maintaining the ideal or more appropriate range of motion in that foot and ankle and then you can start to build the strength and stability because you're using those muscles now and you're waking them up and causing them to have to work instead of squishing them in shoes. Or also some shoes have such a wide, you know, you're not going to need any balance and stability yourself. Then, you know, that those improper fitting shoes are going to cause things like bunions, hammer toes, other foot deformities because yeah. of the, in the narrow toe box. And then we do understand that you'll get stronger leg muscles, which can support the rest of the body, including the low back. So ease into it, have a strategy, which you should after today, but you need to spend some time around, you know, your house and in the workouts, if you can, or do things in your home without your shoes on.
0: Well, and I think too, that goes back to our balance training. We talk about balance training so much for a reason. And, you know, Marty, when you and I used to do our workshops and we would go out and it was the balance section, we would have everyone remove their shoes and we did have them just stand on one foot, maintaining proper arch alignment. And we wanted to make sure if someone pronated, we taught them how to kind of dig their big toe in to force an arch. And they placed the weight kind of in the midfoot, but not necessarily like they almost felt like they were rolling on the outside of the foot because they pronated so much. And just think if you work on trying to get that arch back and you weren't born with flat feet, which most people are not, they may be flat foot now, but if you take your, if you sit down and you look at your foot in a chair and there's a slight arch, then you don't have flat feet. If you were born with flat feet, you've always had a flat arch. Then again, it's a totally different story. You're kind of the exception. However, people start to have flat feet because those muscles weaken over time. And then that arch starts to fall. So if when you're looking at these bullet points and you're listening to what we're saying, you can reverse somebody that was born with an arch now has flat foot. You can get back to having that arch, but it does take a lot of very um, specific training. It takes a lot of concentration and you're going to feel that excessive burning on the bottom of your foot, which is actually good because it does mean that we're waking up those muscles that have now been weak. And so if you start to feel that or your clients do, that's actually a good thing to show that those muscles are now starting to reactivate and hopefully start to lift back up to where it was intended to be in the first place.
1: Yeah. Great points, Wendy. And for those of you maybe just joining in right now, myself, Marty Miller here with my co-host, Wendy Batts on the Master Instructor Roundtable, we're talking all things barefoot training. So as we move forward here, we'll continue on with the uh, topic at hand and we touched on it. You got to have training progressions, right? You don't just take the shoes off and just do everything you've ever done. And Wendy, I remember when the minimalist shoes came out or mm-hmm. the Vibrams, it wasn't a shoe problem. It's people went from all, you know, from none to all in a sense, they went from right. doing what they're doing. They bought a new pair of shoes and then just spent 10 hours in them. It's not going to work when you transition. So you got to start slow, You need to be patient 15 to 20 minutes. And it could just be standing. Maybe it's even less. It just depends on where you're at. Right. Start small, add to it, and try to prevent any type of setbacks. Let your foot and ankle adapt to this new environment. And there's a lot of sensory overload that'll happen. You got to be patient with it. So, if you're a runner, no, don't just go start running with minimal <laughs> shoes. Then, if you do feel any new pain or discomfort, and we've got to kind of search through that is it discomfort because muscles are firing and they're fatiguing and maybe even cramping, I've seen in people's feet, or is it truly pain? So, you got to disseminate through that. But when you're walking barefoot, you know, it sounds like a perfect option that there are dangers that you need to consider when you're doing that. Right. You may not have the full sensory uh, control that you had in the past. You've got to learn to communicate with the ground in your foot. So all of these things are important when you're you know, going into this. So, you know, go slow, ease up if you feel any pain or discomfort and then try it out indoors to begin with. Right. Even on carpet, something like that you know, when you're getting into your exercises, don't, you know, go run on pavement. You might pick a treadmill if you think it's a little bit safer for you, but just do some things in and around the house before you transition out. And then you've got to find safe surfaces. So outside surfaces, make sure that there's, you know, you don't want to be stepping on rocks or glass or dog stuff.
0: Well, and so, you know what I know, right? Uh, well, I will say, Marty, did you see and there, you know, you'll sometimes see this on national television when they put the, the New York Marathon on and they're showing these people running. They have had runners that are barefoot runners that are, you know, they're they're breaking records. They're running the entire, you know, um, 26.2 miles barefoot in New York. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know how many rocks and how many things that they've probably stepped on, but it doesn't even phase them because they've done it for so long. And because they have worked themselves up, that their feet have calloused over, that right. allows them, as gross as that sounds, it allows them to be able to do that. But if you watch their movement and their positioning, totally. their feet are usually pointed straight ahead. They, you know, like you can look at someone that has been running barefoot for a long time. And you'll notice that they don't have the callus on the outside of the big toe. And usually that's because when someone plants, they kind of, you know, rotate out because their calves are so tight and they're lacking that range of motion. So if you're not sure about your own feet, check them out and then say, okay, do you have certain calluses in different places? Is your big toe pointing a different place than the other toes? You know, because that's going to tell you a lot about where you're starting just by looking at, just like we do with static posture, look at your foot and then you're going to have to see what you're dealing with.
1: Without a doubt. Great tips. Some other training progressions. Consider using a minimalist shoe. We've already touched on this. So while your feet are adjusting, right, from going from sneaker or from dress shoe right to barefoot, you could do that for balance and things like that. But if you want to get into the gym, and let's assume you're even allowed to, there is a middle ground, right? That minimalist shoe is still going to give you some um, level of protection in a sense, right? It's not all the way to the you know, barefoot. So you can use those for sure. And, you know, I have a couple pair of the minimalists, and I just know when I'm like, oh, I got to get the back on. And even when I just go walk a mile, I'm, I can feel the difference in fatigue of the muscles, right? So you got to use these as a training aid in a sense. A lot of balance exercises. If you're coming in right now and you're already NESM certified, you know that we are going to hammer the balance. And that is because we're looking to activate those muscles in the foot and ankle all the way through the hip and into our postural muscles by doing these balance exercises so every day i'm sure i know i can speak to wendy always doing some type of balance exercise as part of the warm-up or in the workout itself and then try an activity that requires you to do barefoot so i talked about this at the beginning i did martial arts for 12 years three or four times a week and it was perfect because it was there it was forced in me now you know my schedules have changed things like that so but as you know wendy i've been doing a lot more yoga so i'm back to something that is substantial barefoot training for an hour changing positions doing things with rotation a lot of single leg exercises and i could feel I'm like okay i I lost a little bit in that time in between martial arts and now my yoga and it's i can feel that it's come back to where i'm at but i'm glad i got back into it and then check your feet out make sure they're not injured right
0: yeah I mean, that's a big thing. You're not injured. You're not getting weird calluses. I mean, you will learn a lot about your foot by just looking at it. And I'm telling you, trust me, I am anti-feet and I have to look at a lot of them. And so when I look at someone's feet, I'm like, okay, this is where where I know they're going wrong. If I don't, you know, if I see this nice, soft looking pedicured foot where it looks like everything's perfect, we're probably on the right path of doing something right. But you just never know until you see it.
1: here we go so this is going to be huge for my family here soon so toddlers right we got a year or two to wait but we got a little one coming so when they're learning to walk parents are told to let this process happen naturally without shoes of course but then what do we do we spend little to no time right just remember we have adults that can't even roll over so we got to go back to these you know patterns that we learn um from birth right so this is because shoes will affect how a child uses their muscles and bones in their feet. So we encourage barefoot training there, and then we kind of forget about it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I mic, mean,
0: I was going to say, you know, I hate to, to to butt in, but I will say, no. as as a girl with one one boy we tend to buy these cute little baby shoes because we're like, Oh my gosh, look how cute they are. This one particular brand makes all these fun little colors. And this is something that's going to like, he's going to look amazing in this outfit or for these pictures. And then when you put them on the ground, they've got these shoes and they're flopping around because they don't know how to literally push off yet, which again, is you're propelling forward. And so guys, sometimes the cuteness is not worth it. Um, Take the socks off, let them go barefoot to floor. Because if you notice, when they do start walking, their patterning, their gait, their squat, everything actually looks amazing. And Marty, when you go back and see it, I mean, I saw it with my son. We have tons of pictures where he's literally playing Legos or with blocks or whatever they were. And he's in a perfect squat, no shoes, feet straight. And he's sat there for hours. Right. Just see, that's his position.
1: Interesting thing with infants and toddlers. Feet are adorable, and it's the only time I think fat looks amazing on people, right? So it's like you just got to go back to it, like those little baby rolls and whatnot. But you know, baby feet—they're—they're not jacked up yet. So let's work towards getting back to that, right? Just play. That's what we've always said. Sometimes if you just move like a child, you're going to be in the best shape of your life.
0: Well, well I mean, I'm to
1: let you take this. this yeah, I was going to say
0: this one is like near and dear to my heart, because as you guys know, if you go back and listen, a couple of weeks ago, Marty and I did an entire uh, master instructor roundtable discussing the first MTP joint or the big toe or the great toe, whatever way, whatever it is that you want to call it, but basically your big toe. And ideally, when you don't have your foot in dorsiflexion, you want approximately 70 degrees of of, um, big toe extension. And unfortunately, over time, especially if someone's foot or their toe is starting to get a bunion or going in a different direction or their foot pronates, we start losing that range of motion in the big toe. Well, remember that big toe is our propeller forward, and so we really need to have ideal range of motion, even with that first big big toe, because if not, then it can start restricting everything from the ankle and then all the way up. Um, if you are in dorsiflexion and then you measure it, you want approximately thirty-five degrees. So again, when we're looking at it, I I will. S- start. And if you've gone through our corrective exercise, you're, we've shown you how to do mobility testing of that first toe to find out, can it extend without the other toes moving? And if you've never gone through that, guys, really just spread out your toes, sit with your feet flat on the ground, and then just try lifting just the big toe and see what happens to these other toes. If you notice that there's movement occurring in the other toes while you're just trying to lift this toe up, then you're going to know, obviously, there's a, a lack of range of motion within that one particular joint. And especially when you're working with athletes, or you're working with even the weekend warrior that wants to go out and they do walks, or they're playing tennis, or they're they're playing pickleball, or they're going for a run, or whatever, they need that range of motion, ideally. And so, as you can see, super passionate as much as I don't like feet, I really appreciate the big toe and what is what it can do for us. But it, that leads to better posture overall. So that's one of the things you want to work on. And by doing balance training and trying to get, you know, just by just yourself, pull it out and kind of stretch it. Just literally pull out that toe and stretch it back and hold it. Statically stretch it if you notice that it's lacking range of motion and that will help a tremendous amount.
1: Yeah, it's crucial without a doubt. So great points there. So now the other thing, grounding, you know, this is something that I've heard about, especially since I started traveling uh, internationally. You know, I know a lot of people that that's the first thing they do is ground themselves and that's a term for exactly what we're talking here is earthing is another way to look at it. it's a therapeutic technique that involves doing activities that ground you electrically to reconnect to the earth practice relies on the science and grounding physics to explain how electrical charges from the earth can have positive effects on your health so you know it they say and i'm not going to say i don't believe some of this because there's nothing wrong with reconnecting reduces uh, inflammation, improves sleep quality, relieves pain, provides antioxidants, promotes overall healing, reduces free radicals, lowers cortisol levels, and calms the sympathetic nervous system. But, you know, it just feels good. You know, go in a good, you know, patch of grass after you've been in shoes and socks all day and it just get into your breathing techniques, nothing bad is going to happen. So that is uh, something that a lot of people do believe in and you can see where we got that reference there.
0: And I will say... If you listen to Random Fit, because I know you do, and if you don't, you really should. You should go and download all the Random Fits right now. But I do Random Fit with Ken Miller, and we actually did something on on grounding, or earthing is what we called it. Guys, there's so much fun little tips and things that we found out, how it became a thing, how they started doing the research behind it. So it was actually one of those podcasts I really enjoyed because I learned a ton. So if you haven't listened to that, you really should.
1: I'm on Yeah, I thought you were going to invite me as a special guest that week. Anyways, so another uh, option here is a book came out that was a national bestseller. I've heard I have to read it in uh, full, cover to cover. I've read bits and pieces of it. It's very interesting. Born to Run, it's about a tribe, super athletes, and the greatest race the world has never seen. So uh, very inter- entertaining story from those that have told me about it. And you know, so basically, when you look at it here, it's isolated by Mexico's deadly uh, Copper Canyons. The Tarahamura Indians, this is if I believe I said it right, have honed the ability to run hundreds of miles without rest or injury. So this narrative, award-winning journalist and often injured runner, Christian McDougall, set out to discover their secret. So that's what the whole book's about. And they are some of the world's greatest runners. And they are running these ultra marathons barefoot.
0: Yeah, I have not read it either. Do I own it? I really, really, I, I have it. But I haven't, unfortunately, there's a, there's a pile of books that I have behind me. If you guys can't see, I'm actually kind of in a different position today, but I have all kinds of books right now that I need to go through and read that being one of them, because, uh, You know, I love to listen to other people run. I don't necessarily love to do it myself. Um, However, if you're joining myself, Wendy Batts, and my co-host and friend, Marty Miller, today, we are on the Master Instructor Roundtable, specifically talking about barefoot training. We are live. So if you have questions for Marty and I, please be sure to put them in the comments, and we will be sure to get those questions answered before we finish today. And if you listen to this after the fact, then you can also contact Marty, and we'll give you all that stuff later. So therefore, we can answer your questions as well. All right, Marty, you want to talk about this?
1: Yeah. So this is, you know, nothing again, you know, Wendy and I were talking on a different channel today about NASM. It's covered. So we've always talked about a neutral foot. So recently I've heard people talk about how important it is to have the tripod foot. It's truly just, Wendy, it's neutral arch, right? So this is a great way to show it, visualize it and learn it, right? So you got three points of contact. So this means you splay your feet, spreading your toes and pressing the three points into the floor, your big toe, your pinky toe and heel. And that's going to naturally help someone raise their arch. So of course, this is critically important in anything you're doing. And by training in this position, you are accidentally, right, strengthening those muscles that would normally not be working if you're mostly pronated, which is the image on the left there, where the medial portion of your ankle is collapsing inward. So you're going to activate the posterior tibialis, medial gastroc, some other small intrinsic muscles to lift that arch. So that's the goal of tripod foot position. And you hear that term a lot in yoga.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something else to add to that. I don't. However, I do have a lot to add to this. So... If you yourself um, noticed that, and, and this has happened to me over time, I've noticed that the muscles in my feet are weak. And if I go through and I really try to spread out my toes, or if I start to do like little toe crunches, that sometimes I start to get these crazy cramps in the bottom of my foot. Or if I go and I do like where I put my my glutes onto my heels because I'm doing some thoracic stretch, sometimes I'll notice these weird cramps when my foot's in these different positions. And so if you are that person or you notice too that all of a sudden your toes aren't as straight as they once were, meaning that you're starting to have the, the big toes start coming inward towards your smaller toes, um, then toe spreaders are the way to go. Um, I have a bunch of toe spreaders because every time I'm like, you know what, I need to do this. I can never find a pair. So I order another one on Amazon and I get them sent to my house. But they, they have done a lot of amazing stuff. And I do have all my athletes actually own a pair. And sometimes even when we're training, I'll have them put them on, especially if I notice that there is an issue with their foot. But what that's going to help do is it actually stretches those muscles and puts the muscles and tendons back to where they were originally supposed to be. So they're going to feel a stretch and they're going to feel some strength happening just by putting them where they are intentionally supposed to be by spreading out those toes and giving them a chance to actually move and become in contact truly with the ground without hiding over other ones or doing some, some odd things. So again, it's going to help with the flexibility. When you use toe spreaders, it will definitely help with the the alignment and the structure of the foot, especially if there's some um, malformations going on, it's definitely going to help with your balance because it's giving you a wider base of support. Um, it's going to help reduce the pressure on the toes. So again, think about what Marty said with the, the tripod, we're going to go back and really try to focus on the positioning of those three places of the foot. And it's also going to help to get you back to that natural toe splay that you're supposed to have. And so it will really over time if you wear them. Like in the beginning to me, I would always feel like my toes were going numb. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't have funky feet, people. I really don't. Like, I actually, my toes aren't that crazy. But for me, even, you know, when I put them on, I'll notice sometimes that they just feel like, wow, they're really, you know, having to work. And so just know, again, just like when you're wearing minimalist shoes, you're going to have to take some time, wear them a little bit at a time. But also know that with toe spreaders, they come in different sizes. And so, you know, sometimes the, the thickness of them will spread them further. So don't go crazy and buy the thickest ones you can find to start. Just find some that will slightly spread your toes. And then over time, you can go into something that's a little more extreme if needed.
1: No, great points. Um, I think, uh, toe spreaders are like socks. You can never find them when you need them. Like there's always <laughs> something missing it's something, but with the foot, a sock, a toe spreader. So you better uh, buy a bunch of them. So I'm in the same boat. I got a have a spot where they always go.
0: We actually had a trainer buy her clients all toast spreaders for Christmas. That was the gift, and I was like, you know what, that's fantastic. It was no. a lot cheaper than when I, the route I went. So
1: yeah, there you go. Now I know. <laughs> there you go. And now we, we we've touched on the minimalist shoes, and there's been more added to the um, marketplace. So you have many more choices now. I remember when the uh, Vibrams came out? Everyone thought they were crazy, and you know they were kind of like a standalone for a while. But now there's so many different brands out there so you've got to look at you know what works best for you and have different styles and different kinds but there's a lot that they're in common so when you're looking at these you know for a pair and you haven't found a brand you like yet you know you want that wider anatomical toe box zero drop right so your heel and toes are at the same level they've got to be comfortable and firmly attached to your foot flexible and then no arch support because you're supposed to be creating that arch so If you have the the artificial art support, you're not doing truly what you're supposed to be doing with a minimalist or barefoot shoe.
0: Yes. So Marty, this was a topic that I was excited that you brought up. This was was all Marty, so I can't take a lot of credit with coming up with this topic. However, again, you can see that I'm super passionate about it because there are some very important joints that make up that foot um, that you need to move forward. Um, But, you know, you really want to think about you know, is, is it the right time to incorporate barefoot training within you and your clients? For myself personally, I don't have a a full session, maybe um, with my clients removing their shoes. However, there are times and places where I do, and you have to make sure that the facility that you're in, that it makes sense, that they're allowed to do that, that it's safe. Of course, if there's any kind of weights, you need to make sure safety first. So you don't want them to trip on something. You don't want them to step their toe on something, but then you also don't want anything to fall on their feet. Um, because there there is no protection. So think about that on the safety standpoint, but then also think about the progressions. As Marty said, start 15, 20 minutes, just a little bit at a time and then work yourself up. I also say, you know, if you want to start running in them, 15, 20 minutes of just walking and then just wearing them around the house, doing activities of daily living before you start to go extreme into some of these different types of cardio that, uh, that maybe is your long-term goal. And then again, just think about why you're doing it. Think about the importance of it. If you notice that, you're look at your your client's feet and see, do they need toe spreaders? Is this something that's going to help them? Because guys, literally, toe spreaders can help somebody even with low back pain and hip pain because of the kinetic chain and the way that the muscles work together. So it really can be an important part of their fitness journey um, and something that is an easy something they can do on their own. Um, And I think now having this information, you can be able to explain the importance of it to them, to where it will make sense.
1: Great points, Wendy. And I hope that uh, today's podcast gave some people some new ideas and things to think about. So, Wendy, if you can provide these amazing people your contact information.
0: Absolutely. If you guys want to contact us, you can always find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13 or you can email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org.
1: My information is right here. So my Instagram is dr.martymiller72. And then the email is marty.miller at nesm.org. So Wendy, thanks for all the great advice. Uh, You've worked with a lot of great athletes and so many clients. And I know you truly look at the entire body from that first toe all the way up. So I appreciate your feedback and input on this topic. And for all of you that joined us, thank you so much. Please reach out. And most importantly, we look forward to seeing you next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.